When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so oh, it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is Gayish, the podcast that knows less than you, but will explain it to you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever mansplaining is for like <laughs> assholes. Homosplaining? Oh. <laughs> I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. And we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And today, we're going to talk about jocks. Get on my jock. We're going to talk, ab- <laughs> talk about the thing I most often search for porn Mr. Cousteau. Oh, yes. The French form of athlete- athletes is Jacques. <laughs> Les Jacques. Les, Les Jacques on my cocks. <laughs> but first. But first. You. Oh, oh, me. Yep. Patreon. Great. Hi, Patreon. Hi, Patreon members. Thank you. Everyone else. Um, <laughs> I would like to thank Patreon members Jeff DePuzzo. Okay. Ra- I. <laughs> what? You don't like this. I don't know that I like this. <laughs> Jeff DePuzzo? Uh, Ryan Paul and Ken Vinyl. I don't know if I'm on board with our stick of making fun of people that give us money. They Should love we it. say nice things they've, about them? They've heard us make fun of other people and are paying us anyway. But are people not paying us because they're like, I don't want to be that person. Okay, fine. When you sign up on Patreon, oh, let God. us know if you're a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> or do like Hugh Janus did and give us a fake name. That's right. That's right. Uh... Thank you to everyone who signs up as a Patreon member. Uh, you get free bonus episodes and content, and we appreciate you. And we may or may not make fun of your name, I suppose. Okay. Uh, what do you have? Great. I have corrections. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Do you want the uncomfortable one or the comfortable one first? I don't. I want... Do we have to do the uncomfortable one? Yes, we do. Okay. Okay. We're going to start with that one then so then it gets less okay, it's easier. uncomfortable. It gets better. Yeah, okay. It gets better. <laughs> this segment gets better. Okay, so I'm going to read a very negative review. Oh, fuck me. And, okay. And then I'm going to respond to it. Are you ready? Yeah. Why are you doing this, though? The title, terrible. Zero <sighs> stars. It's a one star rating. Um, it says, called Freddie Mercury's birth name a terrorist. So much babbling and stupid giggling. So awful. Choose another podcast. Okay. This is the second time that I've seen somebody say that I called Freddie Mercury's birth name a terrorist. That means you didn't fucking listen to the goddamn show. You just flipped out and started typing. I don't I remember s- what you said. His birth name is Farouk Bolsara. And I said, no wonder he changed it. And then I went on a lengthy description of how fucking stupid Americans are and how they would think that name sounded like a terrorist uh, and that that doesn't market well, hmm. that he had to change his name for marketing. Mm-hmm. I completely stand by that. That is not what I said. And if it's what you think I said, you're a fucking idiot. Boom. Shakalaka. <laughs> <laughs> it just pisses me off. Hmm. Like, like I'm fine with being wrong. Have hmm. been many, many times. Hmm. Like the thing we're going to talk about next in corrections. <laughs> And I, I, I welcome that, yeah. but don't fucking say I said something I didn't fucking say, mm. you assholes. Mm. 
I mean, I think our podcast is very easy to listen to either quickly or once and uh, assume bad intent and assume that like the way we make jokes or that if you don't like us babbling, like that's fine. Don't listen to this podcast. Like there are some things about reviews that it's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't listen to us. We are not the ones for you. Um, But yeah, that is frustrating when some of like the nuances like you say, there's something some words you say or some things you say that doesn't matter what you say after that. People just hear this one thing. Yeah. And it's like it's been a proven fact that um, it, like if you put a name on your resume that is not a white sounding name, yep. you're more likely you're less likely to get hired. Like yep. you, it's. Yeah. I, yep. So. Yep. I hear yep. What you're saying. Yep. So. Also, did you know that Freddie Mercury is a terrorist? <laughs> he gave everyone AIDS. And, great. Now we've justified that shitty review. Yep. Cool. OK, great. Um. I, I will say, like, if you are as indignant as I am about this shitbird and their fucking stupid ideas about this show, <laughs> go write us a review that is the opposite of that, please. <laughs> Definitely have never called anyone a terrorist. <laughs> Love it. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> R- reviews help us out. Yeah. We can use better ones than that one, yeah. which is the last one that we got, I think. Um, so, like, there was one that was like one star and it was just like, gay. Yeah. It was like, well, <laughs> you're right and you're wrong, you know? <laughs> Okay, next correction. Sure. So Matthew Shepard, the reason that I was confused, he is getting a plaque at the Washington National Cathedral, mm-hmm. but he was buried there last year. So oh. he was already buried there. There was just no public visible commemoration of that fact. Oh. The plaque rectifies that. Oh, so interesting. last week when I was talking about yeah. the whole thing, like we talked about interment and burial, yeah. what's the difference? And I was very confused. He has already been buried there, was buried in 2018 there in tw- wait that's so weird that they would bury him and not put anything that is broadly publicly visible that seems so weird that that was even a thing to begin with yep he's such a big figure and especially in the lgbtq community that well which arguably no one gives a shit about our community but like <laughs> that's just so odd so yeah, yeah. but now there's a plaque so now you can go and commemorate the fact that you are where he is. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I find graves weird. Yeah. Like, like it's, they're clearly for the living. Yeah. But yeah, there's yeah. all this weird, like ritualized mystique about it. Yeah. For the dead people. It's bizarre. It's one me. of those things. Like I don't like have any religious beliefs or like, you know, certain things like, yeah. I don't know when I die, I think like donate me to science or sex or I don't know, whatever you want to do with me is cool. When I die, put me in a protein shake and have some bro drink me. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I've wanted to be inside a bro for so long. Might as well make it a permanent thing. Oh, great. That's correction. <laughs> Thanks for all your one star reviews. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't argue with those. Okay. Uh, you want to do some news? Yeah. Or do you have anything before the news? Uh, no, we can do the news. Okay, it's time for news. I came up with a news theme song. It yeah. goes, news, 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 news. Do you like it? It's brilliant. Thank you. I love it. I have a couple notes. Uh, I had like 17 notes. <laughs> they were all different. Um, they weren't, actually. <laughs> okay, great. I'm, I'm back. I'm back. Okay. I'm back. back. We're back. I have two celebrity items this week, which I don't usually do, but yeah. like, here we go. I'm going to start with the one that's not a celebrity news item, though, first, okay. so that we can be cheered up by the other two. Okay, okay here we go. So, uh, this was all over our Facebook group, so it's not going to be news to you, but I want people to, to know. The week before Thanksgiving, a substitute teacher asked a class in Utah, a fifth grade class, what are you thankful for this year? 
A boy responded, I'm thankful that I'm finally going to be adopted by my two dads. Cute. Students later said the substitute snapped, why on earth would you be happy about that? And lectured the 30 kids on her own views, how homosexuality is wrong, two men living together is a sin. She looked at the boy and told him that's nothing to be thankful for. And three girls intervened and asked her to stop multiple times. She continued, so they walked out of the room, got the principal, and the substitute teacher was escorted out of the building and is no longer allowed to work in that school district. That's amazing. Man, fifth graders, they have, oh my God, I, I still am not bold enough to do shit like that. These kids these days, they're yep. better than all of us. I, I agree. In, in Salt Lake City, no doubt. So this was all in the Salt Lake Tribune. And the as the substitute was escorted out of the building, she was still arguing, trying to make her point. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, God. Because why not? Um, it, the incident occurred at Deerfield Elementary School in Cedar Hills, which sits in the northern part of Utah County. Van Amstel and his husband Josh said administrators called them immediately after it happened. Uh, at first, their son, who's 11 years old, didn't want to talk about it and didn't want to get the substitute teacher in trouble. Hmm. But the school pieced the story together for multiple student accounts, and the incident is now under investigation. Um, That's so nice that other students are stepping up because, like, yeah, you as the the kind of target of that or the person involved, like, that's got to be really shitty and hard to, like, make that decision and and it's just really cool that other people can kind of take that burden off of that one student to be the complainer and yeah well and <laughs> i was looking at audience data earlier today because we had our business meeting mm-hmm. and we have a larger set of people under 17 years old listening to our podcast than we might think oh. and um so w- where are your parents and, <laughs> but, but separate and how did that. we pass the the privacy the parent filter yep exactly exactly <laughs> but like because we know that you're out there kids sometimes adults are idiots oh my god it's well okay these days so. find the adult that is not an idiot <laughs> and you know like yeah yeah we are we're counting on the people under 17 and under to like save the planet basically yeah and sorry and thank you um Oh, this is hard. Okay. The son, who they asked to identify only as DM because his adoption process is not final, told his dads that he understood what the substitute was saying. DM said he didn't speak up, though, because he's had two failed adoptions before and didn't want his dads to rethink their decision to adopt him. Their final court hearing is coming up on December 19th. Quote, he was so fearful that this could make us think that we don't want to adopt him. That's definitely not going to happen, but this situation really hurt him. This person really hurt us. Mm. So she's looking for a fucking job now. Yeah. Good. Slut. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And like religion, supposedly separation of church and state, but there's so many cases where that's not true. And in this one, like calling it a sin, like you're the basis of your what you're now lecturing kids is based on the Bible, which is not what you should be doing in school. In Utah, the symbol, you know how like in Washington state, the symbol for a state highway is George Washington's head with the number written across it. Yeah. In Utah, their symbol is a beehive with the, with the highway number written on it. That's a Mormon religious symbol. The beehive is like, there's really, it's, yeah, like that state and it's weird ties to religion and the Mormon church are fucking intense. What? Cause they both sting. Yeah. <laughs> 
I I think it's about like the 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 Mormon's job is to be a busy worker in service of the hive kind oh. of a thing. Yeah. Man. Uh, w- one thing you didn't mention is that uh, one of the two fathers, Van Amstel, is a dancer on Dancing with the Stars. Oh. Because oh. I give zero fucks about that show. <laughs> <laughs> there may be listeners that, that yeah. d- give partial fucks. Okay. Great. WTS. That means he's hot then. Uh, next story. Sure. You ready? Yeah. Lando Calrissian. Do you know who Lando Calrissian is? Star Wars. Star Wars. Wow. Originally played by? Lando Calrissian's dad. <laughs> Oddly enough, that is his full name. His full birth name is Lando Calrissian's dad. He went by the acting name Billy D. Williams. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, he is now 82 years old and uh, out magazine is reporting on his interview with Esquire last week where he says that he is gender fluid Hmm. so the Star Wars actor recently opened up about his gender fluidity and using both he him and she her pronouns in an interview with Esquire quote I say himself and herself because I also see myself as feminine as well as masculine he said I'm a very soft person I'm not afraid to show that side of myself and um I, I don't know if you remember, like, Donald Glover played Lando Calrissian in the newer movies, mm-hmm. uh, like Solo, and that, is that the only one that he's been in so far? He's been in two, I think. He's, he was in Magic Mike XXL. The, where does that take place in the Star Wars timeline? <laughs> <laughs> it's surprisingly very late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very, before Leia, after... I don't know any other reference. You know, it's true. At the the beginning of Magic Mike XXL, it definitely said like in in a not very long time ago in a galaxy that is right here. (laughs) In a galaxy current to you and us. Uh, But um, Donald Glover said that he tried to play Lando with a certain amount of fluidity in terms of both gender and sexuality. Before he knew? Before he he knew. And they they asked Billy Dee what he thought about that. And he said, really? That kid is brilliant. Just look at those videos referencing the This Is America video which if you haven't seen that fucking get with the times his entire like his entire career so far is incredible I loved him back when I knew he was on 30 Rock he plays a gay kid on 30 Rock like for a split second that's cool yeah like had two two words they were who told (laughs) great I don't know much about Billy D. Williams is that his name yeah William Bartholomew Billy D. Williams yeah William Bartholomew Williams mm-hmm. um but in my head I hear hey everybody I'm Billy D Williams like why <laughs> why do I think that does he sound like that or has someone said that like he doesn't not sound like that okay well thanks the most negative way you can give me a compliment so cool <laughs> no, I mean he definitely has like a like a sort of sultry oh. real smooth and cool mm-hmm. voice that he employs regularly yeah. in that role especially yeah. okay okay great well, cool welcome Welcome, welcome, welcome. Last but not least, spell welcome. You know how it's spelled. Oh, oh. two L's and a U. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> country legend Dolly Parton. This week, she's getting all kinds of. She's doing the. So she's got those shows now on Netflix, mm-hmm. right? And she has her podcast. And a podcast. Like, like, like she and her tits are doing amazing things, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, we're, I'm here for it. Anyway, so. Uh, she t- in an interview with New Now Next, she said, "Quote: I had a song I'd written years ago called Just a Wee Bit Gay. That's a dance song, and it's very uplifting and fun. 
And of course, the gay universe is shitting their pants, demanding that she record and release this yeah. song. So there could, in the not too distant future, be a Dolly Parton dance hit called Just a Wee Bit Gay. And I fucking love it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it would be, it seems like it'd be very on brand for her. She's another person that I feel like people would use the dumb line of I need to revoke your gay card because I don't know that much about her. Like, oh. I, and I'm, I'm like not too, I've not watched anything on Netflix or heard her podcast that everyone's like super into. And yeah. it's just not what I'm going to do. But like, she's a, she's a gay icon yes. because she's a strong independent woman who is just garish and fucking out there in the yeah. way that she presents herself and it gives like no fucks and yeah. is still successful anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, think she was in, um, What's that Sandra Bullock movie where she uh, Miss Congeniality two? Was she? Yeah, my <laughs> my scope of understanding of Dolly Parton's work is not not totally representative of her. Uh, she was on um, one of the late night shows last week because, like you said, she's making the rounds. But she she changed the lyrics to Jolene to mm. Drag Queen. <laughs> it's pretty great. If you can find a clip, you should play it here. Okay. This is for my gay crowd. Drag queen, drag queen, drag queen, drag queen. <laughs> Please don't take him just because you can. Okay, thank you. Yeah, my, one of my favorite Dolly quotes of all time is her saying, it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. <laughs> That's it. That's the news. Whew, news, cool. News, news, news. No, it went news, 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 newsy, news, news. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> so do you want to talk about jocks? Let's talk about jocks. Jock, 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 I don't jock. necessarily like that, <laughs> whatever That's you're doing. Pac-Man eating jock straps, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> the, the, a cherry could stay in there as one of the things he eats. A peach. Um, no, we're not talking about jock straps, or at least we aren't. Uh, we're talking about the, the buff guys that you really... That made fun of you, but you also want to be inside you for some reason. Your theory about being into those who have been mean to you is really interesting to me. I think that, like, there are all these fantasies around, like, you know, in porn, there's, like, straight guys or there's, like, frat fraternity X. Um, There's, like, jocks. There's, like, all these things that, like, I, I think there's a fantasy element that stems from they made fun of me or I never belonged, but they're secretly gay. And that's like hot mm. for me. And I think not just for me, cause those are big prominent categories and porn sites. So mm. yeah, there's something there that like we are into things that hurt us or bo- like people that bully us or secretly, I don't know. I don't know what the, exactly what it says, but. So are you into cops? Uh, who are there people that are not into cops? I mean, I don't think I'm into cops. Like, I don't have, like, handcuff me, please, fantasies. But f- Oh, wait. No, I do. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just become into cops? Well, I know that I, I immediately remembered the, the hot cop from Sense8 that just came out. Mm. And, <laughs> um, but and I, handcuff me, please. But for, for me, there's always this, like... I'm pretty sure that I'd be into him out of the uniform. Oh, like it's not like course. the uniform is the is the appeal, but I know for a lot of people it is yeah. the appeal. Like yeah. there's a any kind of uniform to me is like really attractive. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about. No. We're talking about athletes. We're going to have former semi pro out retired hockey player Brock McGillis on. Yeah. Well, the show. you just said a lot of stuff. Yeah, he was the first openly gay uh professional hockey player. He came out after he retired from hockey and he's now an advocate for 
inclusion and LGBT people in sports. I'm going to try real hard not to make too many Canadian jokes because he's Canadian. Eh. Eh. I mean, <laughs> if you can't, I more can... listener data. We're not that big in Canada, so it's <laughs> oh, great. Fine. Okay. Well, and I also think if you can't make fun of them to their face, that you shouldn't make fun of behind. Like you can't say shit about Canadians behind their back and not say it to their face. That's true. But if he's a hockey player, isn't he like prone to? like violence let's find out that's a stereotype <laughs> that rip you his just... helmet off and punch me Ooh, that's <laughs> donkey punch me um that's a stereotype mm-hmm. uh we'll find out more from him on that but i remember the first guy that i can really remember like i was super into was um i did cross country when i was in seventh grade oh god eighth grade it was horrible it yeah was so ugh. and there's one guy cameron mm-hmm mm-hmm Oh, Cameron. Mm-hmm. And I was like really into him and I'd think about him all the time. Mm-hmm. And then like, yeah, I think there's like that jock part of it. It's like he was like very attractive, but also like in uh, like in cross country team with us. He's really like friendly to me. So he had good he was, stamina. He could fuck you real good for a long time. Boy, he did in my <laughs> dreams. <laughs> there's always the weird locker room thing of like I always tried to find a private shower so I didn't have to deal with any of that because there's that like weirdness of like oh i'm trying to avoid like i don't want to be anywhere near him because i want to avoid that because it's uncomfortable but yeah yeah you had a boner prevention plan (laughs) the old bpp (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then like after that i just in high school was a a band geek so like i didn't just kind of like separate it out from the jocks and was never or in my school was big enough that like you just kind of became whatever part of whatever group you were in and, and there wasn't too much like infighting or whatever but how did cameron turn out where is he now oh boy i don't know no no i'm sure i've looked him up just to see his like but not read anything about him just looked at his profile pictures yeah what about you what's your relationship with jocks did you were you one were you friends with any definitely not one what were you in high school what was your category band drama dork Hmm. but i also like we've kind of talked about this a, a little bit my high school was so small we didn't really have clicks. We thought we did, but mm. we really didn't. It was like my class was only 60 some odd people. My whole high school was under 300 people. That's my like, class was 750 people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's like large enough that there's critical mass to yeah. create these groups and subgroups within those groups just by virtue of the number of people. Mm-hmm. We didn't really have that. Like we had people mm. who played sports. We had people who were in band and drama end of list right like it and and even those two groups still hung out and interacted and had like it just it just it isn't nearly the like clicky trope that you see in movies or that exists like i guess in real life at other schools um is that it yeah yeah so uh, we're gonna take a break and when we get back we will have brock McGillis McGillicuddy Brock the Jock Brock the Jock Oh god uh, Canadian hawker player Hawker player Hawker player On the show Were you trying to say Hot and hockey At the same time No No I just was trying to say Hockey <laughs> There's no other <laughs> No other thing there Um. So yeah Do you want to take a Yeah should we take a break Yeah let's take a break Let's take a break Hockey break Break Puck me <laughs> <laughs> Part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So are, are we back? We're back. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> uh, we are here with Brock McGillis. Hey, Brock. Thanks for being on. Hey, thanks for having me. You are talking to two 
not super sporty guys. So yeah. yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> we did an episode about hockey and it was a disaster. Like just trying to even just fumble our way through what the rules are. We were pretty terrible at. Well, you're you're in Seattle, right? Yes. Yeah, Seattle? Yeah. Yeah, Seattle. you have a team now. We do. It's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming next year or something. Oh, yeah. that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, we're very excited, sports. clearly. <laughs> <Very sports. laughs> um, but no, we're, so it, it'll be exciting to talk about, talk to someone who actually knows about sports and especially LGBT people in sports. So you're the first professional hockey player to come out. Yeah. What, what is your, what is your, what is your accomplishment? Like I've seen it written a couple of different ways. Like, how do you say it? Uh, I just say first openly gay male professional hockey player. Okay. I think I that's know. what we say. It's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> Why, what makes it weird it's to you? Weird. I don't know. Like, who, like, it just sounds so, like, entitled or bougie or some <laughs> bullshit. I don't know. It's it's just, I'm just a gay guy who played hockey and I came out and it just so happens that nobody did it before me. I mean, somebody's got to be first, right? It's it's okay to lean into that, whether you want to admit I mean, it or it not. It takes it takes some bravery, I'm sure, and we'll we'll get into that whole saga. Yeah, no, I, I mean, ultimately, it's it's pretty cool, and, and it's a neat, uh, you know. Um, I was at a film festival yesterday, and somebody said to me after, "It's like you basically have a Guinness World Record." And I'm like, <laughs> All right, <laughs> is there a gay Guinness World Record? Because there should be, if there isn't. I don't Let's know. Create it. That, there. Hey, I came up with a new like thing. We're we're gonna create this. Perfect. It'll be like the gayness world record. Nope, that sounds too <laughs> dirty. Never mind. <laughs> something better than that. Yeah, that'll be like the longest gangbang in history or something. <laughs> I am willing to most take on the challenge. At one time, most dicks at one time. Who um, can take the most dicks? Dan might be up there in the in the he might be the in the running for most dicks but oh, yeah? we haven't been uh, one time uh in a row dan well let's really iron this out afterwards <laughs> <laughs> see dan is invisible to me so i can see you two staring at dan but i don't know dan's face right now he's, <laughs> we can try, we can he's, he's only blushing a little bit <laughs> Oh, good for you, Dan. You look, you look like you could take a large load. Yeah, yeah in Palm Springs, I was. Yeah, I did. What was my dick? Dick, dick, dick. Yeah. When you go to Palm Springs, does it even count? <laughs> right, right. Like, fair, fair. Like, yeah. Who isn't getting gangbanged in Palm Springs? Oh, these two. Yeah, I was very professional in Palm Springs. Boy, howdy. Yeah. No, boy, goodbye. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's back up a little bit to, um, to me, it's so interesting how, like, just sports overall feels like it's so behind the times of, like, where the rest of the the world is in, or at least the U.S. and yeah. North America is in terms of, like, LGBT rights. So I want to back up. You've talked about kind of your family being supportive uh, of you, but also that kind of contrasting with the environment of sports. It's funny that you find this interesting because um, <laughs> I, I find uh, hearing about Dan's gangbangs in Palm Springs way more interesting. <laughs> okay, how um, many gangbangs have you been in? <laughs> um, the, no, now I'm conducting the interview. Oh, shit. What I did there. Yeah. Um, yeah, isn't that weird? Like, it, it was very bizarre. I, I mean, 
I, I remember being six and I say this story all the time and I was watching a movie of my parents and there was a gay character and I said, what if I'm gay? And they said, if you're gay, you're gay. We love you. But they were so involved. Like my dad coached and scouted in the hockey world for a long time. My brother played professional hockey as well. And I feared that um, if I came out to them, that they become more sensitive to the language and the culture that exists within the sport, within male team sport culture in general. Mm-hmm. And ultimately they would out me because they would stand up to that language. So I didn't want them to know, um, even though I knew they would be incredibly supportive and inclusive. And then, you know, you look at um, the sport as a whole, like the language I heard on a daily basis, the, you know, this hyper-masculine macho attitude that comes with the sport made me feel like I couldn't be myself and do what I loved. So I started to self-loathe. I hated myself. I tried to kill myself on more than one occasion. And and um, I numbed every day for about five years with alcohol. Mm-hmm just so I didn't have to think about being gay, just so I didn't have to think about who I was. And um, the only, and it's the real fucked up part about the whole thing is the only time I wasn't thinking about it, the only time I felt okay was when I was actually on the ice playing my sport uh-huh. because that's all that mattered in those moments. But it was the culture around it. It was culture in the locker room. It was culture on buses. It was culture around the game as a whole that I, it made me feel that way. I'm really interested. Uh, we talk a lot about things like suicidal thoughts, suicide, depression, anxiety. And I know you've talked about those in other podcasts. So I'm curious to know, like, what was the thought process or, or rationale that you had in your mind when you were thinking about suicide or attempting suicide? What led you to that extreme of a uh, kind of response? I just had so much self-hate that I had a hard time looking at myself in a mirror. Um, I just couldn't look myself in the eye and I just thought that it wasn't worth it. None of it was worth it. And, um, I just, after thinking that for so long and after feeling that daily, I just felt as if, felt as if this would be easier. I felt as if there was no hope, there was no way out. And this was the solution. And, um, especially also when I was, um, throughout my career, because I I think because of the depression, the drinking and, um, not sleeping and all the other things that was going on, I, um, had a ton of injuries. So I also, for long, um, periods of time through that time of my life, I wasn't playing hockey. But I was still just, I was literally just immersed in the culture because I was around it, but I wasn't actually playing because I was always hurt. So it made it even worse because now the only thing I cared about, I couldn't do. And it sounds like the the relief that you, that, that you had, like being able to actually play hockey was when you didn't get to think about it and you didn't have that piece of it then you were just around yeah I, I didn't have the, the like the sanctuary part the, the part that made me feel good um so and then with some of the injuries uh one of them i ended up um so ill like i've had mono three times in my life wow, wow. like that doesn't happen but i was just so messed up and uh stressed and abusing alcohol and stuff that i made myself sick and then 
lost 30 pounds and then came back and got my hand skated over in a game. And then I was on Percocets and drinking and not thinking rationally and wanted to end it. Um, you know, and those kind of things kept coming up over and over. It was a vicious cycle throughout my entire career. Where are you at now with like mental health issues? Here's the thing. Uh, it's interesting the way because you phrase that the way I typically phrase it. And I think that's where we're going wrong. We say mental health issues. And we haven't gotten to a point yet in society where we actually say mental illness. Hmm. And I think that's, you know, there's still stigma there. I did, I've had an anxiety disorder since the age of like seven or eight. Um, I've suffered from depression from the age of 15. Um, I'm on medication for both. I do extensive therapy. Um, before I started advocating, I thought, you know, like, cause there's a lot of people out there that call themselves advocates and fight for things. And, and this could be a lot of privilege talking and definitely is, but um, they haven't worked through their shit yet. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's, you know, a healthy way to go about it because then you just start airing your dirty laundry and, and your struggles are coming out. So before I started, before I came out publicly, I really worked on myself. Um, I was in therapy twice a week for a while and then uh, once a week with a different uh, psychologist. Um, I do exposure therapy for my anxiety um, which is probably the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. And I've taken courses on meditation. I meditate twice a day. Um, I exercise daily, sometimes twice a day. I, I, you know, eat healthy and I'm very cognizant of my mental health. You know, the only time where really I, I don't self care well is, um, with work. I'm a workaholic. I'm quite aware of that and um but at least i'm aware of it um so if it gets too bad i do start to like tone down so it's something i i really um i just had a show come out with world of wonder and it's called this is shit with mrs kasha davis i don't know if you're drag race fans you know and essentially the whole premise is like we all have shit that we have to deal with and we need to deal with our shit and you feel so much better when you do and that's, you know, and, and we think we our stuff because we're all so self-involved in society, you know, our problems are worse than anyone else's. We don't even think about anyone else. We just think of ours and they're the worst problems that have ever existed. And it's, you know, we're not that special. None of us are. <laughs> um, so you mentioned, um, so the episode right before this one is about anxiety. So um, our listeners have been hearing that for a week, give or take. I'm interested in knowing more about like what kind of anxiety you suffer from, because one of the things that we talked about is that yeah. there, there are lots of different kinds, right? There are lots of different anxiety disorders. I'm wondering if you could speak to yours, if you don't mind. So mine, I guess, would be uh, categorized as a general anxiety disorder, but my uh, fear stems around death. Okay. Um, I'm afraid to die. I'm afraid of people in my life dying and, um, and it comes out and like, I have these like existential type moments where, um, I had a summer as a child where I was afraid of blue skies. Huh. Um, I was afraid of the world and why are we in this world? And, you know, I've had moments in my life where I felt like air was all around me and I felt claustrophobic from it. 
um, and couldn't figure it out and, and had like severe panic about those types of things. Um, um, I think I've gone a lot better, uh, with it. I had a flight in tonight that like literally was almost sideways as we were about to land and I was pretty chill. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I think I have it in pretty good control uh, under control. I mean, it's not something that ever goes away and there's the odd times where I will have attacks. And if, if I remember right, you said, you said you started having anxiety at seven, eight years old, give or take. Yeah. Uh, So, so it started a little before puberty, obviously, but it it was at its height. when, When did you start playing hockey? Oh, five or six. Five or six. Okay. All right. It's, yeah. a, it's interesting to me because, uh, again, not being an athlete or not a, a team sport athlete anyway, I look at hockey and my perception is that it's pretty violent, right? Like there's there's a lot there's a lot that can go wrong and it, it seems it seems dangerous. And so to, to juxtapose that danger with a fear of dying is, is, is interesting to me. And it makes me wonder... If it if it made it better or worse that you were playing hockey while dealing with these sort of existential problems. Well, I think the worst aspect of it was I, I hit it because there was such a stigma towards like, especially back then. I mean, I'm 36 now. So like in the 90s, the medication that was available to us and like the, the treatments weren't what they are today. Yeah. Um, so. I feared that I would be numbed out completely and I wouldn't be able to play my sport at a high level. So I, I, I hit it from, you know, I, it's funny. I spoke at a mental health conference or event on Friday and, um, after I spoke to the person putting on the event, talked about how I came out twice in my life and, and really that's reality. Like I hid this the same way I hid my sexuality and they kind of overlapped for a long time, which probably made both worse. Yeah. It, it's interesting because like coming out in your sexuality and then coming out like with mental illness, I mean, both of those, at least for you seem connected to not wanting to because of hockey, like worried that that will impact your ability to play hockey. I'm curious just to hear like you clearly, you know, have a passion and love for hockey, but also it seems like there are, things that it has negatively impacted your life. So I'm curious how you feel about oh, yeah. kind of both of those existing together. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, for the longest time I, I resented hockey. I had a massive amount of resentment towards it after I stopped playing. I couldn't watch the game. I couldn't be involved in sport. And it wasn't until the last five or so years that I started getting back into it. And even though I was still playing near the end, like I hated it. <laughs> I just... It never made me feel like I could be me and play the game. So there was some resentment there. And there's also like a, it's kind of like, it's so insular, the sport is, that it's like a cult. <laughs> and uh, no, really, it's like a cult-like mentality. And, and because of that, I just, I was so immersed in it, I didn't know any different. But having stepped away and evolved and then being, you know, becoming a minority within it, you see things from a different lens yeah. or multiple lenses. And yeah, I, I appreciate the game. I think it's a wonderful game. I think the culture is a piece of shit and yeah. it needs to evolve completely or be eradicated and, you know, start over from scratch. But, um, the game itself, I love, yeah. and I'm a sports junkie. Like, um, I was, you know, uh, as I was getting ready for this, I was watching the Raptors game. Like I just, in basketball 
that, basketball. Thank you for I was, <laughs> I was thinking in yeah. my head if that was hockey or not. But okay, basketball, cool. No, but um, I just I really like sports, but I also like drag race. So it's weird. <laughs> okay, we're talking about jocks this episode, and the stereotypical jock is, I mean, not gay, but is I think mm. a lot of qualities that you have you know were popular really good at their sport um uh, you've talked about being a womanizer uh just like britney spears has um and so like tell me about I did it better than she did <laughs> <laughs> we'll send her a message to see if what, what she thinks about that um so like yeah what is that like growing up as both a jock and being gay well, I, it, it's funny. I had this conversation with somebody yesterday and it was like, I have this weird duality to me because like I'm a gay guy that, you know, like most of my friends are gay and, and I'm in, you know, a gay bubble now. But like you can see my bro come out at times, <laughs> you know, and and I think when I'm in those bro environments, I'm sure sometimes my gay comes out. And, um, so I have this duality, which are polar opposites of one another. And it's, it's interesting, but like, I mean, as much as I struggled back then, it was also really cool. Like, I mean, you know, while everyone's like queuing to get into a club, I just walk up to the doors and the owner lets me in and hands over, you know, a tray of shots. And like, um, I would just like pick out women in the crowd that I wanted to like hook up with and then friends would go get their numbers for me hmm. and like does it work that way now with men <laughs> um well i'm happily in a monogamous loving relationship so um not anymore but i mean i had my moments and <laughs> i had my fun you, you, you talk you talk about women and hooking up with women um uh, but you don't identify as bi no, no. Um, it's funny. One hockey team is really gross to say, but I was talking to a hockey team. And they're like, well, what was it like? I'm like, it almost felt like it was part of the job. Okay. Interesting. Like, and I hate to say that because it, like it, you know, I, I consider myself um, a feminist and pro women. And I, I'm a firm believer that as women continue to break, glass ceilings it'll create more equality for the lgbt community um just if you look throughout time and history of how you know evolution of equality has happened so it's really shitty to say but it's it's reality and i think owning it and talking about it will hopefully shift things but um no i just thought this is what i have to do to play the sport thus i'm going to do this it was like a business transaction wow and yeah, it's shitty. It is. It's it's horrible. But um, that's where I was at. That's mentally, that's where I was at. And I was like, I have to do this. Therefore, I will because I want to play hockey. Is the the reason you felt you had to do that is partly to like be able to tell the other guys in the locker room? Like, is it to put on that kind of what I assume is the jock, yeah. like hetero dude bro talk in the locker room? Yeah, job culture is basically um, you're allowed to talk about three things. Girls, sports, partying. <laughs> and and maybe now a little bit of gaming for younger generations, but um, those were really the three things that people spoke about in the locker room. And um, 
because of that, you just wanted to, conf- I just wanted to conform and uh, fit in so that I wasn't alienated, judged or exposed. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and it's selfish when I think about it now that I like potentially led people on and, and you know, uh, for my own gain. But I didn't want to be exposed as gay and have my career ruined over that. What, what does it feel like being in the locker room then when you're closeted? I think a lot of people would think that, oh, you're gay, so you must love being in the locker room with other dudes. And I, that at least has not been my experience, like at least growing up, not that I was super into sports. But yeah, so I'm curious to see how it felt for you. Well, here's the thing. Um, and I get this question a lot when I go speak places. Like, like I, the first place I ever spoke was a high school after I came out. And one of the kids put his hand up this cocky little fucker um, <laughs> and he put his hand up and he had this smirk on his face and I knew something shitty was coming. There's like <laughs> 1500, 2000 people there. Like it was big school. And he says, what about in the locker room in the showers? I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, is it weird for you or for them? And I said, well, I said, do you play hockey? And I knew we did because I can pick a hockey player out of a crowd. Like it's, I can, they all dress the same, talk the same, walk the same. Um, so I said, do you play hockey? He said, yeah. I said, well, I don't know about you, but every team I've been on, they always use an analogy like we're a family or brothers or something along those lines. I said, do you agree? He goes, yeah. I said, well, do you check your sister out in the shower? <laughs> the whole school started cheering. Turns out I know his sister, um, which made it a little awkward, but, no, that's but I amazing. think he understood the point. And I think that is the point that like, like I look back now and I see like some players I played with and I'm like, wow, they're really good looking guys, but I never thought of them in that light when I played with them. Hmm. You know, they they just, I, I knew too much about them. Hmm. You're, you're a family. It's like, you know, you know, like have you ever had a hot roommate? Yes, like, my freshman roommate. But, oh boy! <laughs> but but initially, you might be like, "I want to fuck them," and then as you get to know them and know them and know them, and maybe like, especially when they're if they're like douche bro guy, then you're like, eh. "For me, when the more broy they, they seem, the more I'm into them." <laughs> yeah, based off your facial expressions right now, I'm saying you're still into your yeah. roommate. Yeah. He never became not hot. Now, I, 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 I totally identify with what you're saying, Brock. Like, I was in a fraternity in college and surrounded by all of these dudes all the time. And a lot of them are objectively uh, attractive and, and were then as well, but n- not into them, right? Like, they like once once you reach this certain level of intimacy, they just, like, they just there's no way you could possibly want to go there. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I just know too much about them when you see the shit they do and you're like you're <laughs> fucking meathead yeah it was just too much i mean not for you clearly <laughs> you have rose colored glasses on for any douchey hot guy yeah probably any douchey hot straight guy uh yeah that helps i mean it's if you're wearing a backwards baseball hat if you have a uh <laughs> t-shirt that cuts so much that you oh yeah <laughs> <sighs> hold on i need some water <laughs> For the listeners, Brock just turned his head backwards. <laughs> Kyle got flustered. That's fine. I feel You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> if you're wearing a shirt that's cut off and like your nipples are out, like if you're checking yourself out in the mirror, like all of these things are things that well, make me more into them. 
very hot. That stuff's so hot, but I mean, like, it's only to a certain extent when you really know the person. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to see, like, their best and their worst and everything in between. And I want to see everything in between. <laughs> um, we we talk about, we've said this many times, straight guys are really gay. So, like, straight guys, like, do the gayest things, especially when they mm. are, like like sports or frat guys or like somehow that community like gets these gay things that make them make gay jokes. Did you see, I mean, I know you talk about the shitty parts and like homophobic comments, and everything, but do you also see them acting like really gay? <laughs> I've seen guys piss on each other. Um, do you say I've seen piss on players. each other? Yeah. In the shower. Wow. <laughs> I never saw that. Um, I've, I've seen players like, in a, a hotel room together jerking off watching porn um i've seen players doing push-ups on top of one another um naked yeah there's some really like homoerotic and i think that's why they act part of the reason why they act so homophobic or their language is so homophobic is to compensate for their actions which are like essentially homoerotic huh. so it's a compensation method yeah Interesting. Like my fraternity brothers put their balls on each other all the time. It's fucking weird. Yeah, teabagging. Teabagging. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen guys walk up to each other. Somebody's asleep on the bus. Somebody else's balls are on their forehead. Yep. You dip them like a teabag. Yeah, straight guys are so gay. <laughs> which I don't they mind. Are. That's fine. Yeah, with me. but here's the thing, though. I think it, overall, like a friend of mine just finished med school where he was telling me they learned like, 40 or 50% of millennials experiment with same sex. I mean, new studies are coming out all the time where like, I don't know if it was glad or the Canadian version of glad came out with a study that like now 23% of the population identifies LGBTQ plus like, so, and that seems to be growing. And the, the American study that was around 23 was like brought down by the fact that Alabama had like three or five percent, which I mean, we know that's fucking bullshit. Yeah. Um, that's just, you know, so I think sexuality is a spectrum and like we fall somewhere on it. And, and I think human beings are inquisitive and like how many gay guys, do you know, they're like, I, I kind of want to fuck a girl just to find out what it's like, you know what I mean? And yeah. whether they go ahead and do it or not, but if you're in an environment where it's now considered a safe space to do stupid, boneheaded, goofy things that are actually semi-homoerotic, where they can sort of experiment without actually experimenting or getting the judgment that comes with it, mm-hmm. why wouldn't they? Yeah, we've, we've talked to gay guys who have said, even now, even identifying as gay, they slept with women, and the, the reaction of the gay men to them is like shocked and disappointed and sad and and so yeah i think it's it's odd that everyone has such strong judgments about who you sleep with. like game game i'm gonna fuck right off (laughs) all the way off no seriously like like we want to create these hierarchies and and we're we're in we're we're already an oppressed group of people and now we're gonna oppress our own 
Like, right. shut the fuck up. <laughs> somebody wants to have sex with somebody. What's, what's it to you? You want equality where you're allowed to have sex with whoever in the fuck you want. So what do you care if your friend or another gay person goes and has sex with a woman? Like, shut up. Just stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. End of range. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's I, it's it's threatening, right? I like. I think I think that there are a lot of, of of gay guys. We just talked about this on on the anxiety episode in our in our Patreon bonus uh, segment. That there are gay guys that sort of have this existential anxiety about like, am I really gay? And the idea that one of their gay friends can then go and hook up with a woman that's that's threatening to them on this weird like identity kind of a level and they don't handle it well at all. Like then they get lippy and judgy and, and shun each other. And, and like you said, like fuck right off. Don't do yeah. that. Like why, why oppress each other? Because it doesn't really mean that, but there's definitely a, the reaction is there. And, um, it, it just comes from this weird insecurity. Yeah. I mean, it feels like the same people that yeah. don't support trans people. It's like, how are you not supportive of everyone within your community umbrella? How are you, fighting for your own rights, but then can think that trans people don't deserve rights. Like, yeah. It's insane to me. But when you look at that, I think um, it's it's twofold. We as society want to fit everyone in boxes because it makes sense. Then. Yeah. And gender and sexuality doesn't make sense. Society doesn't make sense. It's not as black and white as people want to make it and we don't, we aren't one thing, you know, like you're talking about stereotypes. We're all different. We, we have different things that make us up as humans. Number one. Number two, I mean, those people who are judging, just ultimately what I went back to or, or what I said earlier, I'm going to go back to and about, you know, not dealing with your shit. That's like, that's triggering their stuff that they haven't yet dealt with. So my gay friend had sex with a woman. I would be like, that's funny. Like, <laughs> you know, like right on. And, you know, it's none of my business. I don't care. I don't, I don't care that Dan gets gangbanged. Like it's <laughs> like to each their own. As long as you're safe and not hurting yourself or somebody else and you're healthy, like give her, what does it matter? Yeah, yeah for sure. When you came out, did you uh, get on the apps? the grinder scruff whatever were you ever oh, I was on before that i was like because i i started dating men at 23 and i didn't come out publicly until i was 33 wow yeah so um what happened was i was living in europe i was 23 and, and i had this moment of like sitting myself down and saying okay your career's derailing you're constantly injured. You're incredibly depressed. You're suicidal. You're drinking all the time. Two things are about to happen. Your career's going to be over, and you're going to end up dead. So at that point, I went on uh, Gaydar. Okay. It was it was pre-apps. It was a website, and you're able to search any city in the world. So I searched my hometown, and from about three and a half four hours north of Toronto, and I saw all these closeted gay middle-aged men. They were married to women. They had children. And they were on this app. And I went, holy fuck. That's going to be me. If I don't deal with this, that's going to be me. Yep. And that's that was like the light switch went off. And I said, okay, I'm, I didn't grow up in a time where it was illegal. I didn't grow up in a time where, you know, people were being 
like I mean they are and still are but like not to the same extreme where they're being beaten up for being gay on the street or anything like that um, and I didn't really grow up or wasn't out or I was too young during the AIDS epidemic so I went I can I can live my life as me I need to figure out who the fuck I am and I came back after um, uh, that hockey season and I went on a date with a guy in Toronto and I ended up dating him for three years in the closet and hit it from, I didn't, he never met a soul in my life. Um, he had an alias for me with his friends because I was during the MySpace start of Facebook era and I didn't want them to search me on social media and find out who I actually was. Yeah, I hit it for a long time and it started with a website and, um, but then I, um, evolved to apps for sure. Um, uh, mostly I was grinder. It was just grinder and I've actually used it differently. I, I've never, it's been really bizarre because I was, um, essentially a man whore with women, <laughs> but I've been a serial monogamist with gay men. I think I've had like one, one night stand in my life with a guy. <laughs> Why is that? Um, I could finally be with somebody I actually want to be with. Mm-hmm. I think, um, my anxiety disorder. Um, so I feared death my whole life and I grew up in the nineties when gay men were dying, right? I was born in 83. So my childhood into my teens was the late eighties, early nineties. Yep. So I had this perception in my mind and I know it's false obviously. And, and like, you know, and the reality is whether, you know, I don't know if you'll edit this out, but like we're recording on world AIDS day, but I had a fear and this, you know, this inaccurate idea that gay men get AIDS and die. Yeah, absolutely. So to be promiscuous made me think, no, I'll, I'll, I'll die. And then the, you know, irrationality of, with the anxiety and everything else that came with it just scared the shit out of me. Did you have, as a category, did you have jock checked off when you can like belong to yeah, different categories? Yeah, it pissed me off when I saw that. Why? Like, because I was like, because people check off jock and then like, probably trip over their own feet on like a football field or a basketball <laughs> court or, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, there should be like at least some athletic ability when you're <laughs> checking that. Like you can take all the steroids you want. It doesn't make you a job. Like a entrance exam or something to get it on, submit like some proof. Yeah. Like, like show us your three point job. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I feel like the risk would be, for you getting into some real master mask, like no femmes kind of territory. If you are a gay jock, do you find people trying to like do that, play that game with you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm not about that life. I think that's gross. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely like, I'll get like sub bro. <laughs> I used to get that a lot and stuff. And I'm like, shut up. Like, <laughs> like, or when somebody woofs at you, mm-hmm. um, it's just like, if you can't say hello to me, this isn't going past this. Like, like if you can't engage with me and it, that's part of my issue with like the whole dating culture today 
-hmm. is that people don't engage and can't have conversations and uh, are losing, you know, that ability to connect with one another. It's just woof, address, show up, fuck, not say a word, leave. And it's like there's there's no connections anymore. And it's great that we have the ability to do that and we're at a point in society where we can. And But at the same time, like, I was in a bar, like, a few months ago. And two guys were standing side by side and I was standing with a friend of mine at the bar. And they were watching a drag show. And you go, see those two guys? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, one of them's my new roommate. And the other guy is the guy that he's been, he has a crush on. He goes, they've been talking for two months on Grindr. They're standing (laughs) side by side and they're both on their phones DMing one another. (laughs) And I just went, this culture is fucked. (laughs) Yeah. Although I wonder if it's the same for straight people, like my perception as I'm, I'm a little bit older than you guys. And my, my perception is that like, young people are bad at connecting in person non-digitally anyway, like regardless of orientation. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they have the same, um, like when you put two men together and you get all that testosterone, they just want to, you know, like fucking go. <laughs> yeah. So there's still that aspect of the courting and, um, whether it's done online or in person and then you're not just going to show up like, like, and, and I think a lot of this also stems from the fact that the reality is during our formative years, we don't necessarily date other men and we haven't been taught how to date because yeah. a lot of people just didn't date anyone. They just stayed in the closet until they came out and then, you know, or they were the only gay kid and had nobody to date or there was one other one. So they had one option and, you know, until they went away to college university and then that's when they started hooking up. Um, whereas with straight people, like, like a guy goes over to a young woman's place and, and they're teenagers, mom and dad are there. They're not just showing up, you know, like, jump in the sack and then head home. They, they are watching a movie. They're talking. They may have to engage with the f- parents a little bit. Um, that might happen 10 times before they even get to the point or they go to the movies in a group setting yeah. or they do, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we don't get that. So I don't think we've been taught and, and maybe that's like heteronormative bullshit, but we haven't been, we don't necessarily have those skills. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. There's arrested development there that like gay people didn't learn the lessons that straight people did at 11, 12, 13 years old. Right. Like straight they, people had to work for those hand jobs. <laughs> they just didn't happen. Yeah. So I have a quick question for you. It's, true, it's, but at least they were getting them. At least they were getting them. That's true. That's true. The only hand jobs I got and were the ones I gave to myself. Aren't. I hope gay kids are getting hand jobs now. I Me hope. too. <laughs> Back of the bus. Anyway, uh, this is an inelegant segue, but I, I did. I did want to ask you so for for our patreon listeners we just did a segment about jock straps jock strap the like the piece of underwear i'm 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 curious if that is like as a professional athlete is that part of your equipment at all some players wear them some don't it depends i never wore it i don't know i i it's almost like the straight male version of tucking i guess (laughs) 
Okay. Well, when you think about it, they're doing it to keep it in place, right? Yeah. yeah. Strap that shit and down. Was it, as a goalie, we have a really big jock. So it's like triple the size of a player jock. So I didn't really need something underneath it. But I, I've seen more jocks since I've come out as gay and been immersed in gay culture than I ever did in sport. Yeah, but that's that's my follow up question. Like, how how do you how do you feel about jockstraps as a gay guy? I mean, I think I think they're slightly misleading. <laughs> okay, how so? Um, well, they plump up the ass, mm-hmm. and you know, it creates like a larger bulge than may actually be there, and it gives the illusion of somebody who's going to the gym and doing squats when they're not. You know, and it's like, yeah, it's cute, but I'm like, or you can, when I rip that off, what am I going to see? You know, that's my thing. It's like, I want to see what's underneath that when, when those straps aren't holding it up, you know, it's, it's like, are you, you know, like a woman with a bra. (laughs) Push up bra. That's what Kyle said before the break. Yeah. Jock straps are the push up bra of the ass. But that's my, so there you go. And, and that's my point. You know, are, are the tits saggy after or are they still perky? Is that butt still perky or, or is it sagging down? I just think like and, so much of what we do though is to try to present the like the most attractive version of ourselves. So I, I bet you could say that a lot about a lot of different things that we do to like right. make ourselves look better or seem better. We're a very insecure culture gay culture, gay men in particular in our community. And I think it comes from the fact that uh, we were seen as less than when we were younger, so we need to feel perfect and and we want this illusion of perfection. And then we go to these extremes and, you know, it's why steroids run rampant in our community. But the reality is, you know, we, we're human beings with flaws. Yeah, We're not perfect. We just don't want to face them necessarily. Do you have anything else? Did did we do it? Yeah, we did it. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, should we take a break? Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Break. A jock break. (laughs) This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So are we back? We're back. (laughs) We're back. We're back. We are going to do our gayest and straightest. We're going to do our gayest and straightest. But first, Brock McGillis, where can people find out more about you and what you're up to? So they can find me on uh, Instagram at Brock McGillis 33 on Twitter at Brock underscore McGillis, uh, my website, brockmcgillis.com. Yeah. And they can book me there for any speaking engagements or anything they want to book me for. I uh, love traveling and doing this stuff. So um, it's great. And uh, I just had a show release with uh, World of Wonder and Wild Presents Plus with Mrs. Kasha Davis from RuPaul's Drag Race and um, about dealing with our shit. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Well, our shit is on gayishpodcast.com. Um, and we're on all the social medias like Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, at gayishpodcast or slash gayishpodcast. Our hotline, you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails, especially if it's your gayest and straightest of the week. It's 5855-GAYISH. That's 585-542-9474. Standard rates apply. And our email is gmail at gayishpodcast.com. <laughs> Not a mistake. We just like that. Uh, Wait, you have a hotline? 
We do have a hotline where people can call in and leave us messages that we sometimes play or send. We people ever send sexual messages oh yes I, get, by our request i've asked for uh, many dick pics and i get not them. our by mike's <laughs> request we get dick pics I, we get, I want like i want people having sex to call in and like and you just hear their sex okay <laughs> by special request brock mcgillis brock wants us request to- <laughs> I, and and we're forwarding these to you so you can listen in <laughs> Is that? <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll we'll put I'll put them all over my socials. <laughs> okay. Send me the audio. Sp- all we'll right. Blank out any names that are said. Mm-hmm. You know, anonymy <laughs> is key. Yep. Anonym- Anonymity. Yeah, I think that's yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Yep. <laughs> all right. Call for your sexual sounds. <laughs> We're gonna put it on our CD called "The Sounds of Sex." Um. Okay. Brilliant. <laughs> Two other programming notes. Uh, we are releasing a lot of new merch, including uh, stretch goals and mind the gape. And what else? I'd rather be fucking Dan. Um, plus, are your bullshit is a bullshit shirt. So you can go to gayish.com and click on the merch section to see all of that. We have shirts and mugs and stickers. Um, and. Our 150th episode is coming up very soon. So you have about a week to send in your questions, uh, questions uh, to fucking Dan at gayishpodcast.com. Send Kyle questions for Mike. Send Mike questions. No, send Dan all of that. But questions Mike will ask shit. Dan, we're lost without you. <laughs> we'll do whatever Dan says. Send send questions to Dan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gayest and straightest. <laughs> Let's do a gayest and straightest. Um, Brock, do you want to go first? I, um, the gayest thing has to be my obsession with drag. <laughs> um, maybe you will see me in drag in a future episode of This Is Shit um, on Well Presents Plus. I bet you're a very beautiful woman, so, actually. <laughs> um, I was quite scary. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so um, that's probably the gayest thing. Or um, I really like sex with Matt, my boyfriend. <laughs> so... That's pretty gay. Yep. Yeah. Um, gay and the straightest thing is I play hockey every Saturday with a bunch of bro dudes. Um, Hot. Literally every Saturday. And it's like the straightest. And then we go eat wings and watch football, like college football. <laughs> wow. And it's so cringy that I can't even believe I'm admitting this on. and do you give each other high five (laughs) i I think listening to you tell that story is the gayest thing about me this week like the the worst is when they want to fist pump yeah and i just i just look at them and i go no (laughs) miranda Priestley, devil wears prada the pursing of the lips (laughs) oh you have you have another gayest thing perfect (laughs) um yeah oh Oh, honey, she's a gay. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Don't let this hyper bro jock masculine facade like fool you. Underneath it you all, you have she's seen gay. Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> okay, my gayest thing is I realized when I order a drink at a gay bar, like I turn up the gay a whole bunch and i don't know why that is i was in the middle of talking i was like hey can i get a drink I lo- and then like we like kind of like do this weird flirty thing and i'm like what do you want I'm like, i don't know what do you want like it's just like all of a sudden becomes super gay whenever i order a drink at a bar and then i'm just like getting a cider so it's not that gay but um 
the straightest thing is uh, I save all the silverware I get from my takeout, like or delivery, and like the plastic stuff. So then when I run out of like real forks and knives and stuff, I have my like plastic stuff, and I just see that as like single straight dude kind of thing of like I'm living alone, so I can use this plastic fork because I can't stand to do dishes. Do you know the best like the the straightest part about that was what you referred to plastic cutlery as silverware (laughs) (laughs) yeah big time wait what what is it cutlery cutlery i would never say that word (laughs) i don't think it's in my lexicon (laughs) too many consonants maybe so no uh let's see so the gayest thing about me this week uh i went to almost every gay bar in seattle this weekend i like i went out i went out wednesday night i went out saturday night and between the two like and i was just hopping both nights i I went to like almost all of them i think i missed the eagle because it's scary and i (laughs) uh i missed i missed pony which i usually go to but i didn't make it this weekend anyway just like my punch card was full of all the gay bars this weekend um and then the straightest thing about me so on thanksgiving i was just gonna do a like i don't know whatever and then i like I hetero shamed myself into doing an actual like turkey and stuffing and potatoes like dinner. Yeah. You were a really good mom uh, (laughs) that you cooked. You cooked me all this nice Thanksgiving food and you set out placemats and it was really great. That sounds pretty gay. (laughs) What? So like the, the, like the table setting. Your straightest thing is really gay. Like you set out this like Martha Stewart-esque like setting. Yeah. Like I'm sorry. That's very homosexual of you. I agree. But I think the gayest Thanksgiving is like no Thanksgiving at all because your family hates you and you stay at home and watch movies and eat pizza. Yeah. Let's make it really real. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, let, let's go dark yeah <laughs> let's go let's go dark meat um but you created a fabulous thanksgiving that's very homosexual of you yeah yeah like, think about all the cater waiters out there <laughs> won't someone think of the cater waiters <laughs> uh, uh, fabulous there yeah uh thank you for being on brock we really appreciate it thank you thank you for having me yes and um Thank you to all the hockey players, I guess. Sure. Thank you to Jockstraps. <laughs> and, thank you, and thank you to Jockstraps. Um, the gay man's push-up bra. Thank you to anything that pushes up my ass. Exactly right. Oh, okay. um, yeah, so uh, this has been Gayish. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. See you next week. See you next week. Ta-da. That's it.